Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m. And you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Hello, Bethany family. It's good to be with you even though we're distant from one another. This morning, I have three texts that appear at the outset to be very different and unconnected, but as you'll see later in the sermon, how they work together. I begin with Matthew 9, 9. Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Then in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And then from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. In his book, None of These Diseases, S.I. McMillan tells the story of a young woman who was applying to college. Her heart sank when she read the question on the application form that asked, are you a leader? Being both honest and conscientious, she wrote, no, and returned the application expecting the worst. To her surprise, she received the following letter from the college admissions office, and I quote, dear applicant, A study of the application forms revealed that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it is imperative that they have at least one follower. End of quote. Following is not high on people's bucket list of something to strive for. You do not hear people say, I want to learn to be a good follower. What we hear people say is, I want to be a good leader. I'm not suggesting that a desire to be a leader should be tempered. What I am saying is that following has far too long been underlearned and underpracticed. Don't get me wrong. A case can be made that we haven't totally lost the importance of following. A recipe will produce tasty results if you follow the directions. A traffic ticket will be more likely if you don't choose to not follow the speed limit. The COVID-19 pandemic will not be ending if we don't follow the guidelines of washing our hands often and physically distancing. While following is neither high nor an honored goal in our world in general, in the Bible we find it to be among the highest of calls God asks of people. In this sermon series, we begin today entitled, Follow Me, Trusting God in Transitions. I'm hoping we will begin to understand the importance of being a follower, but also what it fully means to be a follower, especially in times of transition, of change, of crisis. In times like now, living in a very fragile world that is facing a global pandemic. Pray with me as we begin. Heavenly Father, you and your Son, Jesus, have always sought to teach us your ways. Help us to listen to what you've been teaching for thousands of years. 
You want people to follow you, your way of thinking, your way of speaking with one another, your way of living in this world. Help us to not only hear you, but also to do what you say. Help us to be a people who are willing and eager to follow you and your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. First things first. Jesus' ministry. Completed, but not fully applied. When Jesus began his ministry, one of the first things he did was call a specific people to follow him. The gospel accounts reveal that each of the 12 disciples, later named apostles, were specifically called by Jesus to follow him. Six of them heard him say the actual words, follow me. The other six heard him say, by implication, follow me. And 11 of the 12 followed him. Jesus didn't do this so he could claim to be a leader because he had some followers. He was calling them to something new. The plan was not merely to inform them, but to form them, or better yet, transform them to become like him. And three years later, just prior to ascending to heaven, Jesus tells them that now they are his witnesses. By that, he was saying that they both now know his story and can tell it, but more importantly, they also live life his way. In other words, they are fully equipped followers. Jesus has reproduced himself in their lives. First things first, God's creation. The Bible begins with God creating everything. While some of the account covers the extensive universe, the largest section of the creation story, and especially of men and women, and the provision God made for them to have an abundant and delightful life, fills up the creation. In the middle of that chapter, prior to the woman being created, God speaks to the man Adam and says this, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. It's clear. God has clearly stated, trust me in this and don't do that. God is telling Adam to follow this one rule or there will be terminal consequences. God is telling Adam to follow him. We know that neither Adam nor Eve followed God's instruction. And the pandemic of sin has reached every human being since then. First things first, God starts a nation. A man named Terah, along with his son Abram, Abram's wife Sarai, and his nephew Lot, relocate from the city of Ur in the Chaldeans some 700 miles north-northwest to a city called Haran. Terah wanted to relocate relocate all the way to Canaan, but the scripture tells us that he and his family settled in Haran. After a time, God comes to Abram and says this to him, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Genesis 12.1 Abram follows God from Haran 
to Canaan and the city of Shechem in Canaan. But Abram does not follow God to leave his father's household behind. He chooses to bring Lot, his nephew, and that proves to be very troublesome. Abram also doesn't wait for God to fulfill his promise to give him and Sarai a son. Instead, Abram makes a baby with her handmaiden. This also proves to be very troublesome. Abram's son Isaac seems well, except he and his wife have favorite children and not the same one. More trouble. Jacob, Abram's grandson, carries the favoritism even further with his second wife, Rachel. It gets even more dysfunctional, however, with Jacob's relationship with both his wife's handmaids. More trouble. There are actually birthing wars going on in the family. Jacob's favoritism also singles out his 11th son, Joseph. The other brothers are very jealous and angry, so much so that they get rid of Joseph. At least they thought they got rid of him. Who are these people? Why did God choose them? Didn't God see this coming? He did. God sees how extremely difficult it is for people to follow especially when following goes against the rushing current of a culture that is lost in self-centered, narcissistic, me-first, sinful ways. In other words, the culture of humanity. God sees and he still chooses to love, to bless, and call people to follow him. At this point in the Bible story, God is about to do that loving and blessing and calling again, along with testing. Jeff Mannion, in his book, The Land Between, writes this, and I quote, Only God knows our future, and he wants us to be equipped for what lies ahead. He wants us to grow into the people he intends us to be, not controlled by character deficits, but having the strengths of a Christ-like character. God is very interested in the people we are becoming, end of quote. Point number three. God rescues from slavery. A lot happens in the days when Abram's family relocates to Egypt to escape the ravages of a seven-year famine. That story alone is worth a series of sermons to discover how one man, with God's blessing and provision, breaks the cycle of family dysfunction and shows himself to be a fully devoted follower of God. But for this sermon season series, we will leap forward more than 400 years. The famine has been over for a long time, 10 generations. Abram has been named Abraham and he has died, as has Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all the brothers. Yet we find that Abraham's family is still living in Egypt, more specifically in the land of Goshen. They've all become slaves and there are many of them. Exodus 12:37 says this, there were about 600,000 men besides women and children. And God hears their cries. God sees the brutality that has been put upon them. God is ready to provide them a way home to the promised land of Canaan. So God raises up a leader, 
a leader named Moses who first and foremost is to follow God himself. God calls then the people to follow Moses as Moses follows him. This series will not be about how they are freed from slavery, but how they were on the journey from Egypt to Canaan, the land between. How were they at following? How was Moses at following? Why did the relocation take so long? And what can we learn from them so that we can become better followers? Here's where the sermon ends for today. But let us make this a week of self-reflection and self-evaluation on this matter of following. Let us look at the performance of our life when it comes to being a follower of God. Here are some questions to ponder and things to do. Five of them. First, am I like Adam or Eve and I blatantly choose to not follow? Is there a specific issue that repeatedly trips me up? Number two, am I more like Abraham and I follow at times, but not always? Is there a pattern that identifies the cause of my not following? Number three, do I really want to be a fully devoted follower of God and his son, Jesus Christ? Don't just answer yes or no. Talk with yourself about why, how, when, what changes need to be made, and so forth. Four, As you seek to discover your responses to the above questions, pray. Pray for God to give you honest clarity. Pray for God to reveal his plan for becoming a more fully devoted follower. Number five, take your time in silence to listen to God's response. The answer may come in your mind or from the scriptures from conversations with others, and from observation. Be alert to God speaking to you, answering your questions. Remember what Jeff Mannion wrote. Only God knows our future, and he wants us to be equipped for what lies ahead. He wants us to grow into the people he intends us to be, not controlled by character deficits, but having the strengths of a Christ-like character. God is very interested in the people we are becoming. Pray with me. Father God, you are looking for people to follow you in all of life's circumstances. Put in our minds and on our hearts what we need to know and feel so we can do this challenging thing called following. Help us to learn from our mistakes and our successes. And by your love and forgiveness, set us aright again when we fail and fall. Give us a longing to be fully devoted followers of you through your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. May God bless us all to be a blessing to others. Amen.